0: that's what the tithe is all about. We're just giving unto the Lord. He doesn't need our money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. He created everything. Why does he need my money? It's because we trust him. We believe the songs that we heard this morning. He is our everything. He provides everything. He is our everything. We trust him. If the ushers will come forward. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to worship you. We thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. You are our provider, Lord. We trust in you. Father, we thank you for this uh, offering that we're giving today. We thank you that you're going to use it to your glory and that you will provide everything that we need. We trust you and we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. While they're doing uh, the offering, there are some announcements. As you can see, sneaking up behind me, Pastor Rob is not here, but Mickey Hall is with us today, and he will be giving us the word. Um, Coming up on July 21st, we have the First Steps program, which is the beginning of our membership uh, classes. And this membership is just the basics of what we believe in this body. And so we have some clipboards we would like you to sign up. And this is if you wanna have membership or you just wanna know more about what's going on in our body. So we would ask that you would sign up and there you go, Beth. And we'll go from there. Any other announcements I've forgotten? I can't do it. Okay. okay. Your name? Jack. Jack. Laura. Thank you. <coughs> Jack said, This is hard for me. Um, his sister, Laura, had heart surgery, and he had requested prayers. She's home. He did request. We did answer. She is home. It's a praise God is what it is. So thank you.
1: I asked Joe if he would open up in prayer. Um, And Julie was sharing that she really felt like that God wanted to do some healing this morning. So if you uh, feel like God wants to touch you this morning, I just want you to stand up. And I want uh, people around you to put, lay hands on them and pray for them. Okay? So anybody who's standing up, put hands on them and pray for them. And we're going to pray for Rob and Shannon and Zach and Jesse and all the people from church who are out doing ministry this morning. So I ask Joe to lead us in prayer.
0: Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to once again praise you. Father, we, um, we would ask for your healing to touch us today, Lord, that these people have come up, come forward, they're bold, they trust you, Lord, they need your healing, Lord. We ask that you would heal them in the name of Jesus. Father, we'd ask that you would be with our missionaries that are in Mexico today, Lord, that you would lift up Rob and Shannon and Elise and Jesse and watch over them. Give them words of wisdom, Lord, Give them understanding. Help them to acknowledge you more and deeper. Father, we just thank you for the word that's coming forth from Mickey this morning. Father, that you would direct his words, that you would open up our hearts to receive those words, Lord. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name.
1: Guys, we are in Ephesians chapter 2. Rob stopped at the end of Ephesians chapter 1 he asked me to keep going in Ephesians 2 the neat thing about this church that i love is that when rob starts teaching he just teaches straight through the word he doesn't skip things he doesn't dodge things and i i love that that we do that because the first 3 verses in chapter 2 are verse the first 3 verses might be verses that if you wanted to dodge something you might want to dodge these three verses Um, but let me tell you this is an incredible message from the Lord to us today Um, because he takes something I'm telling you when I first started studying this I was stuck in the first three verses for a day and a half couldn't find anything nowhere to go I was like Lord what in the world would I teach from these this passage and the Lord started speaking to me. So um, I've asked Mike Gray to uh, read the first nine verses. We're going to read Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. That's where we are.
2: And you have quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all... We have a conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. By grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast.
1: Amen. Amen. Worthy is the lamb, right? The lamb is worthy. And in here, when you start reading as a teacher, I always had kids answer who, what, why, where, when questions and how. And in the very first verse, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And I was thinking about my life before I knew the Lord. I was going, was I really dead? Was I dead in, in my life? You guys ever think about what it means to be dead in your sins? Dead in the box gone dead and I was like was I dead are men dead today in their sins is this world full of really full of deadness and sin and this is where I got stuck because when you start looking this stuff up you're not going to like what you find right because I started looking up things like this well let's compare deadness to life well if we take the 10 commandments and we start with one verse one commandment Thou shall not kill, right? I was going, so that's a pretty big commandment. What about our world today? Is it really filled with deadness and trespasses and sins? So I started doing research, and this is where I got stuck, because when you start researching this, it's not fun. You find out things like this. 455,000 people will be murdered this year on our planet by other human beings, and that's if you don't count abortion. And if you count abortion, then it goes to 21,450,000 people will be murdered on our planet this year. And you go, that's pretty dead, isn't it? You can't be more dead than that. When someone shoots you and kills you, you are dead. And so I was looking at, at is our world really that bad? Is it that bad? So then I looked at the next commandment, another commandment, just one like, thou shall not lie. And so I looked up some research, and it said this, um, today, the average person will tell 10 lies. And you go, so there's 7,500,000,000 of us on the planet And so you go times, well, take 10% away, because 10% are babies or they can't talk, and then multiply it and say, today, somewhere um, on this planet, there's going to be somewhere around 70 billion lies told today. Wow. Uh, That's encouraging, isn't it? Are you feeling encouraged yet? (laughs) You can see why I was getting stuck in this. Then you look at the next commandment, right? Thou shall not steal. And you look at in in the United States, there will be $7.8 billion worth of goods stolen from businesses by their own employees. And I was like, whoa, I'm really feeling encouraged now. Um, not, they say 95% of workers steal from their employers in the United States. I I was like, no way, that, that has to be a wrong statistic. I don't believe that. So then I looked it up and in other places, and it's incredible. And so you go, why is it like that? How come is it? How come it's like that? Well. Verse 1 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And I was thinking, hmm, if I asked you the question, if you were in my class and I was saying, why is the world so dead and stuck in their trespasses and sins, what would you say? Huh? Good. It says in here that it actually, in verse 3, it says that it's part of our nature, that that's our nature. I was like, well, I hope not. Um, but but that's what it says in Scripture that it's our nature to do that. And as, as I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna read a lot more out of my notes than I normally do because I felt like the Lord directed me to study some things to tell you guys um, some pieces of information that probably uh, most of us wouldn't normally look at. And so I, I, want, I want you to think about this. Does sin, though, we know, here's a, here's a question for you. This, this whole section is divided into two halves. There's the, what I call the bad news, the first three verses. But then in verse 4, it says, but God. I'm uh, always like, I'm thankful for that verse, but God, but God, in these, and in this, in these verses, he connects verses, the first three verses are connected with verses uh, 5, 6, 7, and he connects them together, and Paul does that in a way that he shows us what God's plan for evil is. Do you guys know that God has a plan for evil? Most of us could say that plan in one word, couldn't we? Or two words. We could answer God's plan for evil in two words. The cross, couldn't we? It was the cross. That was God's plan for evil. He crushed Satan on the cross. Now that is, a, that is, a, that is not a human way of doing things, is it? You're going to crush sin on the cross by dying on that cross and getting yourself crushed on the cross. And by doing that, you crush Satan's head. Now, that, isn't, uh, that doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, if you think about it just in your common sense, does that make sense? That doesn't make sense. But that was God's plan. But his plan didn't stop there. He wasn't concerned, I mean, he was concerned about the evil outside. But how about this also? He's concerned about the evil within us. Um, do you, if you think about yourself, do you think, do you have any evil inside of you? If you've driven a car, most of us could see some evil come out, right? And... And so we know that within us, we have, we have the new nature of Christ, right? But we know that the old nature also exists. And so God made, do you know that God made a plan for dealing with the old nature within us? And so what we're going to look at today is God's plan for him dealing with not only the evil out in the world, because he's going to deal with that. Ooh, he's really going to deal with that. And we're going to go over some verses that would make, if you're not a believer, you might not like some of these verses, because some of these verses are not comfortable. Matter of fact, they are uncomfortable. And so, we're going to look at, first of all, I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 4 through 6. And I'm going to call on some people to read, because I'm a teacher, and so I like to call on people. And so who has found 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6, and want to read it to us? Loud. Okay, so that, that was great, thanks. So that thing says for God, do you notice that G in your Bible is a small G? That's not God. That's the God or the prince of the air. That's Satan. So it's not that God has blinded people's eyes, but that Satan has blinded people's eyes. Obvious, right? Um, but when you read that, you can read that and go, now why would God blind people's eyes? He didn't. Satan did. And so look at verse, look back in, your, um, in Ephesians 2 and look at verse 2. It calls Satan this, the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Let me ask you something, how close is air to you? You can't get away from it, can you? Since Satan is the prince of the power of the air, he is this close to you, he is this close to me, and he is always trying to get us, us believers, involved in evil you believe that he is and, and what he wants to do is divide us right I mean that's Satan's plan is division Satan's plan is the opposite of God is to steal kill and destroy right that's Satan's plan for us and he's as close as the air that we breathe that means to me, as a believer, I need a plan for dealing with him, right? How many of you guys, Susan and I went to Hawaii, uh, my daughter was in YWAM, and they were doing, uh, a guy was doing a teaching there on, um, what was the name of it, Suze, you remember? The guy who did the teaching? It was Gene Sherman, but he was doing it on spiritual warfare, and, and when he was doing it, and he announced what he was doing, Sue said, oh, I don't even wanna go there. I hate all that spiritual warfare stuff. And, and most of us, how many of you guys like to deal with spiritual warfare? That's your favorite thing to do, is deal with the enemy, right? No. We don't don't want to do that. We don't want to have to deal with the enemy, do we? But he's there, and guys, we have to deal with him. And God had a plan for us, and this section that we're going to read is in the next sections, verses 5, 6, and 7, are going to tell us how to deal with not only Satan's attack out in the world, but Satan's attack right here in our own heart and he's gonna tell us how to deal with it. Now is it more interesting to you? All of a sudden I can read those first three verses, I can tolerate them because I know that he had to sh- first show me the not deadness of myself. Look what it says in verse three in Ephesians two. He calls us children of wrath. Children of wrath of who? Have you ever asked that question? Children of wrath. We are called children of wrath. Of the wrath of who? How many of you guys like that question? Of the wrath of who? How about this? Of the wrath of the Lamb. Oh, that is a tough verse. That is a tough, that's what it says in scripture. Of the wrath of the Lamb. Because this is, God's, hasn't God extended his grace to us? Thank the Lord for that. God's grace, right? And we're gonna talk about how that should affect the evil that comes and tries to invade our lives. Um, so God, God had this plan, and his plan was this. I think I'm gonna send my son to die on a cross, Have you ever thought, what if that was you? I thought this when I was reading this. I was thinking, what if it was me? And I'm laying in the box and I'm dead in all of my sin. And Jesus and God are walking by and they look at me in all of my sin. And God says to his son, would you die for him? And his son says, yes, Father, I will, by, your, by the obedience of obeying, obeying you. And here's one, one of the ways that I realized that when I was reading this, I, you might wanna connect these in your Bible. This is what I did with mine. I drew, and I'm gonna help you do this right now. I'm gonna take you through how verse two, it, or I'll start with verse seven sometimes I like to go backwards. Um, we're gonna start with verse seven, and I drew a line to verse three. You might wanna do that in your Bible, and I'll tell you why. Note, I love verse four. Verse four says, but God. So verse three says, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest so we were children of wrath but but God verse 7 in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus so although i'm a child of of God's wrath he's gonna show me, notice what it says here. He's gonna show me surpassing riches of his grace. And he's gonna show me that um, in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Surpassing riches of his grace. Now, I have to, have you guys ever had something that's too big to fit into your mind? Surpassing riches of his grace. It would be like comparing this. It would be like doing this. Who's the richest guy in the world? Anybody know? Jeff Bezos. Good. Somebody knew. Jeff Bezos, how much is he worth? $127 billion. And what if Jeff Bezos came up to you and he says this to you? He says, Robert... I've decided that I'm going to take all of my wealth and I'm just going to bless you for the rest of this life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Robert would receive that. He would go, yes, 127 billion just to bless me. Okay. But how rich is he compared to God? Guys, it's like this. I, I surfed at this beach in Australia called Cumbian Beach, and it has this break that is incredible, and, but only breaks a couple times a year. And I was surfing there. You can ride a wave almost a mile, and it is an incredible place. The sand is squeaky clean white. It is incredible. Uh, it's the best beach I've ever been on when it's breaking. It only breaks a couple times a year, though, but, Um, But anyway, if you took all the sand from this beach and put it over here and then took one grain of sand, this is Bezos' money, this is God's money. And he says he's gonna spend his riches on you through all the ages. What? I'll receive that. Jeff Bezos can have his one grain of sand. I'll take what Christ has for me. Notice it says, in the ages to come. That means in heaven and for all of eternity, God is gonna pour out his riches of mercy on you because you know him. Isn't that but God? That is but God, (laughs) yeah. I love this part because I didn't like the other part. Uh, The other part was not fun. And so now I want you so that was just a connecting verse 7, right, to verse 3. Now let's connect verse 6 to verse 2. Verse 2 basically says that you are trapped by the prince of this world if you're not in Christ. Because you don't have the freedom to not sin. You are his, he owns you. Hmm, Have any of you felt, I don't know if you've ever felt like this. It felt like this to me when in 1973 I was drafted by Baltimore Orioles and they offered me a contract and when they offered me the contract and I said, what if I don't want to go to Puerto Rico and play baseball in the Winter League? And the guy looked at me, Walter Shannon, he was the lead scout for them, he says, when you sign this contract, we own you. And it was the first time in my life I went like this, ooh, I never had somebody say that point blank to me, we own you, you sign this contract, and you know what, I'd wanted to play professional baseball my whole life, but I had just found the Lord and I went like this, I don't think I want them to own me. I think I'm owned by Jesus Christ. And Walter Shannon was sitting right there and I said, ah, I'm not gonna sign that contract. Um, and he said, we'll double the bonus. Is it money? And I was going, no, it's not money. You don't have enough. And he looked at me and laughed. He was like, we don't have enough. The Baltimore Earls, we have enough. He goes, we'll double it. He was talking about going from a $40,000 bonus to an $80,000 bonus. And he's just going to decide it in a blink of an eye like that. And I looked at him and said, "You don't really, you don't have enough and I guess I'm not gonna sign this contract because I really don't want you to own me. And it was the first time in my life that I recognized that someone owns you. You are either Christ or you are Satan's and there's no middle ground. There isn't any middle ground in that. But this is, and I always thought this later, after I found Christ, I said this to myself, why would someone in the world Let someone else own them because this is what Christ is going to do for you. Christ is going to do this. It says in verse 6, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So what did he do? He took us from captivity with Satan and he raises us to the heavenly places with Christ. This is too much for my little brain to handle. I, I don't think in these terms. So let me take it down for a different level for some of us who have a smaller brain like me. It would be like this, Susan and I lived in Seattle, and when it rained, which happened a lot, they had all these slugs that, that uh, came out and they moved around on the ground in their own slime. And I was thinking, that's what this is like. If you're owned by Satan, it's like moving around on the ground in your own slime. But Christ is gonna seat you in the heavenly places, and this is what this is like, Isaiah 40, 31. But but those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up as on wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary and walk and not be faint. You can... You can crawl around like a slug on the ground or you can fly around like an eagle. Now, who wants to be the slug? Not me. I'm gonna mount up as on wings of eagles. You know? Haven't you ever watched an eagle fly in the wind? They can sit up there and just fly all over and not even flap their wings. I'm like, how lazy are they? But um, that is incredible. And when I go to heaven, that's what I want to do. And so this is another provision that Christ gave us. So then the next thing that He took us from. So that's if you connect verse six with verse two. Then verse five. even oh verse I'll read verse one first, "And you were dead in your trespasses and sins." Verse five, but God even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. I was dead in my sins, and he made me alive together with Christ. Can you, can you guys get that? Alive together with Christ. There's nothing better than that. Take the best moment you've ever had with the best people that you know. And it won't even compare to being alive with Christ and dead to sin. Because when you're in heaven, you are gonna be completely dead to sin and completely alive to Christ. And then he's gonna take the riches of his grace and pour it on you for the rest of eternity. Woo! Yeah, I can go for that, I can receive that. Because to be alive with Christ is literally to be dead to sin, isn't it? If we are alive to Christ, we are dead to sin. And when I was looking at these passages, I was saying, okay, well how does eight and nine connect to all the rest? So eight and nine, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. We don't even have to do anything. And we can't earn it and we can't deserve it because it says in scripture, our best works are like filthy rags before the Lord. We can't earn it. He gives it to us freely. And so he gives us grace His grace that abounds. Okay, so what is grace? Somebody tell me, what is grace? Good, unmerited favor. So when he went to the cross, wasn't that unmerited favor? We should have been on the cross, but instead he was on the cross, right? So we're saved by grace so that what? No man should boast. So that there shouldn't be a reason why we say, well, I'm really a pretty good person. Oh, that's dangerous. You're really a pretty good person? Uh, You missed the first three verses in here, right? Uh, Because all of us are saved by his grace that none of us should boast. So we get to, here's the things that we get. We get to be free from our transgressions, alive in Christ, we get to be set free from Satan and his, and his schemes, and we get to raise up on wings of eagles, and then instead of being children of wrath, we get to spend eternity with him forever, alive to him and dead to sin. Wow. Wow. Now that's awesome, huh? So this is why sometimes when you read scripture, you need to work through some of the verses that you don't like, all right? Because I didn't like those first three verses. I was, stuck, I was stuck for a day and a half on those. Like, ha, where do I go from here? And then the Lord started showing me, but God, but God. And we had gone through something with Susan's aunt where she was in a hospital and she literally was, she had a, a, just a, a, a thing, uh, she had a loop in her colon and they did a surgery on her and took the loop out and she should have recovered from that easily. But she's 84 and at 84 you don't always recover from things easily and so then she went into, um, she started having problems and pretty soon, uh, she had problems her lungs collapsed and then they had to put in they had to put in a trach and they had to put in a g tube and everybody was saying to her uncle you need to just let her go and her uncle was saying but god but with god anything is possible god raised her up she's now at home doing the cooking doing the cleaning God raised her up. He just experienced the same thing. God raised her up. That's what God has for us. Why would we go back to the world? I wouldn't go back to the world for anything. Would you? So here's. Let me tell you some things we need to do to fight evil in our own life. Here's some things that it says in Scripture. Uh, remember um, Romans eight twenty eight for. Remember, all things work together for the good, for what? For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I can give you a ton of verses that say the same basic thing, and they all say the same thing, for those who love God. John Piper has a saying, cherish him or perish. We either love Christ all out or we perish. This is all or nothing, guys. For us as believers, you're all in or you're out. And coming to church doesn't make it. Uh, It helps, it does help. Um, But it doesn't make it. It's our day by day by day walk with Jesus Christ, isn't it? And so do you know that God has a plan for dealing with evil? And part of that plan is us. Right now, we have people in church, Rob's not here, Shannon's not here, Jesse's not here, Zach's not here, because they're all out being God's hands in the world that we live in. And God had a plan for the evil in the world. It was to love the world, right? That was God's plan, we saw it on the cross. That was the model, and so he gives us a model, and he says, love me with your whole heart. That's all I want from you. Just love me, be all in. Don't hold anything back. Let, it says in scripture, let your love be uncorruptible. I would say this to myself when I feel like Satan's trying to tempt me. I, I start to say to myself, love uncorruptible. I'm gonna live in love uncorruptible. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we pray that the evil in this world, Lord, we know that you have a plan for. We see it in Revelation 6. Lord, we see it all over scripture. We see it in Matthew. We see your plan for evil outside the world. Lord, and we know that um, you will have your way in that. But Lord, we pray for our own selves, Lord, for our hearts, Lord, that evil will not be welcome because we will have love uncorruptible for you. And that love uncorruptible will be the thing that drives us every day. Lord, I I just pray for all of us here and the Christians who live in this valley that we will live in a way that the rest of the world can look at and go, these guys have love uncorruptible. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the fact that you didn't leave us dead in our sins, nor trapped by Satan, nor in your wrath, Lord, but you had a plan for all of it. And we give you all the praise because the lamb is worthy. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.